Welcome to the latest episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. Welcome to this week's EG Like Sunday Morning, and we have a very special bumper show this morning, an episode of Two Harps. A little later, I'm going to be joined by Deputy Editor Tim Burke and Offices Reporter Alex Daniel to talk agencies pulling out of Russia and EG's MIPIM plans. But first, I have some even more exciting guests, and I'm sure Tim and Alex won't mind me saying that. Two legends of the field who have been with EG even longer than I have. Uh, head of special content, Emily Wright, and making her long-awaited EGLSM debut, Associate Editor Julia Cahill. Hello to you both. And Julia, what has taken you so long? I know. I'm so sorry. I don't know what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really, I'm really glad to be um, not just not listening, um, but actually taking part in this um, one. It's very, very exciting. Thank I'm you for sure, having me on. I'm sure Emily will agree. We're very glad to, to have you on. Absolutely. Yeah. Really, really, really pleased to see Julia making her EG like Sunday morning debut. And, and how good of you to get up early on your Sunday as well, Julia, to make it to make it work. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, I'm hoping uh, that you're both going to tell me all about um, the latest UK Cities Guide, uh, how to get hold of it and, and what listeners can expect uh, once they have their eyes on it. Well, the the exciting thing also about this one is that it will actually be going out to MIPIM. It will be there in physical form mm. <laughs> so people will be able to pick it up there but um, if, if they don't see it beforehand. Um, but yes in terms of content um, we've got a, um, an, a kind of overarching theme really uh, about how cities um, lure people back post-pandemic, how they um, make make the masses sort of fall back in love um, with them and um, Emily might want to expand on that one. Um, uh, just how they're doing that and sort of um, yeah recovering really that was your that was your baby in the in the piece wasn't it yeah and it was you know it was such a fascinating piece to write and I I thought I thought of it towards the end of last year because we were doing so much around um, the return to the office you know people talking about return to offices how offices Mm. are going to lure people back and I sort of thought well that's interesting but what about cities because it's not it's not just that people uh, are working out how to return to the office. They're working out how to return to the office that are within the big urban metropolises and hubs that we sort of shied away from and locked ourselves away from during the pandemic. You know, two years of most people anyway. I know there are people that went back in between and there's some people who've maintained their love affair with cities and offices um, in a way that others haven't. But for lots of people, it was two years, not only sort of sort of hiding away but being told being told to stay away mm. and I don't think we can underestimate the impact that has on people's psyches really you know it gets so ingrained and so embedded and we've come we've come to a situation now where we are hopefully getting people back we're hopefully returning to some kind of um, pre-pandemic way of way of life it's important for businesses it's important for our economies it's important for cities to feel that energy and that hustle and bustle again um, but people have really calibrated their lives you know people have set mm. things up people have got their their systems and their routines set up at home and for many people this this is for many people it's something that they that they always wanted to do and now can and for others it's something that they've really learned to love 
So how do cities lure people back? Because it's not as straightforward anymore. It's just saying, well, you know, you used to come here, so why won't you come here again? So um, I spoke to lots of people. I spoke to Jackie Sadek. I spoke to um, Greg Lindsay, who's over in the States and a futurologist and urban specialist around mobility who had some interesting points. I spoke to Centre for Cities um, about how, how that can be done. And I think that the, the what's really interesting is that the message that came loud and clear is that cities can't ignore this PTSD, as Jackie called it. Mm. Um, and um, Greg said there's going to be um, sort of a big mental health crisis in the wake of the pandemic and that cities need to sort of respond in a way that helps to mitigate against that. So things like uh, creating more social spaces, creating spaces where people can come and feel connected, not just in buildings, but in cities. Um, developments that have got a social element rather than an office or a, or, or a retail element at their heart. Um, you know, should we be looking more at developments that are anchored around something which is social? Um, that kind of thing. Um, and, and sort of really just trying to rethink the way that cities are are built and put together within the confines that we already have, given that the cities are very well formed. But you should have a, people should have a read. Um, there's all kinds of interesting things in there. We look at the 15 minute city. Um, wouldn't that be great? But as Greg points out, that's really unrealistic for most big urban hubs. It's just not, you know, and he made a really good point. He said it could be a 15 minute city for, for the people wandering around within it. But what about the people that have had to travel in to work in the coffee shops to serve you your coffees who can't afford to live in the centre of cities? It's just we. there's lots of different elements. The good news is, is that there are ways to lure people back. People will have their hearts recaptured. It might just not be the way that it was pre-pandemic and that's really important just appreciation that things have changed but have a read yeah it's a really it's a really really good read and and it also gave us um the most fantastic front cover idea <laughs> it's, i think it's my favorite one for uk cities so far so i won't spoil it any more than that um but yeah you should should pick it up have a look see what you think um, how, must, but, how great must it be to be able to put futurologist on your business card that, that must be that must yeah, be a buzz well, I know. <laughs> it's amazing. There was a futurologist um, at an event yesterday and I just thought, oh, I'm going to become one of those. <laughs> I think possibly that, that should be your next uh, your next title change, Emily. You should be EG's resident you futurologist. Oh, I need to get myself a crystal ball in that case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, in terms of other content, um, it, it, I've met some really fantastic people um, in, in putting this together, and um, I think one of the one of the most um, interesting was um, Sarah Doyle, who is um, a new assistant mayor in Liverpool. She's working really closely with Joanne Anderson there. Um, so she's a councillor, Sarah. Um, she's uh, she was elected in 2019. She's just 26, um, and she's doing <laughs> this incredibly um, important role because she's been given responsibility for economy and development within Joanne Anderson's cabinet. Um, and you can't really overstate how tough things have been um, for Liverpool City Council um, because there's still um, an ongoing police investigation into fraud bribery, corruption, you name it, misconduct in public office um, within the council and that that no charges have been brought, I should say that. Um, but it is an ongoing investigation and um, 
plus COVID, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> Sarah's sort of come into this role at a really, really challenging time. Um, you've got the government commissioners who were sent in in 2021 to try and really sort of sort things out in the council. Um, and so Sarah's working really closely with Deborah McLaughlin, um, who's who's um, part of that team of commissioners, and she's ex Manchester City Council and Homes England. People might know her from that. Um, and uh, Sarah's sort of angle on it all is, you know, this this is a massive learning curve, um, and it's uh, a chance to really open Liverpool back up to developers and investors who may well have been put off in the past by how things were being run in Liverpool um, and so she's she's despite all these challenges she's incredibly positive um, she talks about you know she comes into the room sometimes for a meeting and she knows that people are waiting for the cabinet member to arrive still because she's not what they expect but she turns that around to her advantage and you know gets the conversation going about skills and training and that really is her sort of um, priority um, in, in terms of um, uh, development and regeneration in Liverpool. She thinks there's got to be a pathway for local people to be involved, whether that's in construction or whether that's in, you know, being having the skills to actually work in these fantastic new buildings that are that are starting to go up again. Um, so we touched on uh, Littlewoods, the um, the building that is hopefully or the, the remains of the building that is hopefully going to be turned into a TV and film complex. It looks like that's going ahead. Um, she talks about Bramley Moor Dock, um, which obviously isn't a council scheme, but this council does own a lot of sites just a stone's throw away from that. Um, and so she really wants to make sure that the wider benefits are felt. Um, and we talked about the knowledge quarter as well and, um, you know, how, how she wants people in Toxteth, say, which has, you know, got, got quite a lot of challenges. Um, and it's only one ward away from the knowledge quarter in the, in the city centre. Um, she wants people from Toxteth to you know, to come and work in construction in the knowledge quarter or to come and work in in, in those new buildings. So, um, yeah, it was really, really inspiring, really interesting person. And and, and um, if you haven't already sort of met Sarah, if you're involved in that in in uh, the Liverpool um, uh, development sort of sector, then I'm sure that she's someone that you will uh, be meeting soon or becoming much, much more aware of. So. Um, so that was that was an interesting one to do. Um, perhaps another one to highlight would be um, the Aberdeen-based um, energy transi transition zone. <laughs> it's a mouthful, <laughs> ETZ, um, which is um, a non-profit company. Um, it's it's managed to secure a lot of um, public sector funding, um, and. Um, its objective really is to transform the future of Aberdeen and um, um, really provide the infrastructure, um, the uh, real estate to support the growth of um, the sustainable energy um, industry there. Um, so I spoke with uh, Maggie McGinley, the chief executive and Neil Hanforth, who's um, the real estate lead um, there. And, um, you know, they they talked about uh, the new um, uh, Scotwind leasing round, which has really kind of vindicated what they're trying to do, because 
um, I think 12 of the new licenses awarded for offshore wind. Um, I learned a lot about offshore wind doing this piece. <laughs> um, but, um, so 12 of these new licenses are just are within 100 nautical miles of Aberdeen. And so that really kind of indicates what they're trying to do, because you can't do these huge ambitious schemes without having the, the manufacturing and the, um, the other sort of infrastructure support um, close by to support them. So um, they've got this uh, very um, ambitious idea to create a 100 acre physical energy transition zone and that's sort of um, working its way through the planning system at the moment. It's not without controversy because uh, some of the land is, is undeveloped and the, and the local community wants to hang on to some of this sort of green land um, but uh, that, that will play out I imagine over the coming year and we'll see how they get on but um, yeah it's, it's a, obviously an interesting time for the mm. city so some good insight from them. So that's that's probably those are probably a good couple of teasers hopefully <laughs> um to to get people to pick this up and have a have a look absolutely i'm, I'm married into a liverpool family so i'm, I'm glad to hear ah. the city's in such good hands and, <laughs> and I, I hope they don't transform the city of aberdeen by removing all ease from its name that would that would be a that would be a bad uh, oh, bad God, way of going be, about yeah, it yeah <laughs> he would do that yes <laughs> <laughs> um julia we, we can't have you on eglsm and not uh, ask you briefly uh, how the auctions market is shaping up so far in 2022 yeah i know that's a really good question um well, it's yeah, it's thriving, I would say. Absolutely <laughs> thriving. Um, I was writing about Savills this week where they 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 had their um uh their their March auction um at, right at the beginning of the month. But um I was uh, I was chatting to them and they had um on one lot um seventy bids within forty five seconds. So this is a live streamed hmm. auction. So yeah, I think the the I'll get the numbers wrong here, but it was the the guide was something like 120,000. This is on a resi property, mm. and it sold for 270,000. Wow. Pretty sure that's right. So yeah, so you can see see what happened there, and it's it's a you know it's a um I think it's a sort of terrace house lending itself to redevelopment maybe as as flats mm. that, that kind of that kind of asset. But just yeah, you can see get a good sense there from the, <laughs> of the volume of of demand and and they're expecting that to to continue. Is that, um, has there been much of a return to real live world auctions no, or, or is live streaming? No, do you think that's the not. that's going to be the future? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, there have been there have been the odd um, uh, physical. Uh, uh, Barnard Marcus went went back to the route, well, running it sort of um, um, side by side with mm. with online. Um, uh, I think they're the main the main one to have done so. There've been other a, a few other sort of smaller smaller examples. Um, but I think yeah, I think this is the future for for the mm. auction sector. It it's it, it's absolutely transformed it and private investors seem to you know they they really have adopted this new way of working and it's brought a lot of new buyers into the sector as well you know no longer do you have to make a day trip to London mm. to have the hope of buying something you know you can do it from home um, well hopefully we'll we'll talk at greater length about that uh, in a future episode now that you yeah uh, that'd be good great now that you've got into it um <laughs> so uh, lastly uh, the the UK Cities Guide uh, isn't the only thing that's going to be starring at MIPIM. Uh, Emily, uh, you're heading to Cannes as part of the EG delegation. Um, I am. Uh, Travelling tomorrow, I believe. 
Yes, yes, of course. Took me a minute there to work it out. But yes, travelling tomorrow on Monday. Um, <laughs> as we're talking on Egypt late Sunday morning. Yeah, um, travelling slowly but responsibly. Um, so everybody from um, EG will be taking a train with the exception of Sam McClary but that's okay because she cycled down in fact you know she's 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 en route already um, mm. so we will allow it um, uh, yeah so so traveling tomorrow um, and actually actually weirdly looking forward to my 10 hour my 10 hour stint I think it, uh, from what I can gather it is going to be the networking opportunity to end all networking opportunities because everybody I've spoken to is catching the train and everyone I've spoken to seems <laughs> to be catching the same train that I'm catching so I think it was a I think it was a early enough to get into Cannes just before the evening events and late enough not to require a sort of you know off to Spain uh 4am easy jet sort of <laughs> level start so um yeah so it, it should be good I think it's going to be a really busy train and um I'm sure there'll be lots of people there to chat to so I, I think it'll be good and a good opportunity to catch up on on a bit of prep um nothing like leaving it to the last minute um and uh, yeah looking forward to seeing lots of people down there it'll be interesting to see what the vibe is like and to find out how people feel about being back and what the what the mood is and whether it's sort of just a just a cause for celebration to be back together and able to have these conversations in person um and uh it, it will be an interesting year. I think it's an I think it's an important year for Mipham as well. Let's 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 see how see how it goes and see how people feel about the return. Um, so we're going to be very very busy out there. We've got um, a whole host of events going on. We'll be covering everything from um, ESG as a value driver. I'm really delighted that we've got Edge the Dutch real estate firm on that panel, which will be great. We're talking about big brands and cities. We're talking about the future of the office. Um, we're talking about life sciences. We're talking about inter international um, investment into UK cities. Um, so there's a whole load of stuff going on from our perspective. And then just looking forward to, to meeting up with people who I haven't seen for a long time. Um, and as I say, just getting a sense as to how everybody's feeling about about things. And obviously, I'll be covering a lot of the tech stuff as well. So looking forward to going to back to some of the old tech haunts um, and uh, seeing some of those guys. And it's always lovely to see the see the tech the tech crew have flown in from the states and there's a big contingent coming from north america um and i'm sure south america as well but um particularly north america so looking forward to it cool and fingers crossed a little bit of sunshine as well have you have you looked ahead to what the what the weather's promising you know, I, ha I haven't but i will tell you something the last time i went to mipim was was it the last time was it 2019 no, it was 2018, actually, I think. Anyway, one of the trips to Mipim, anyone that was there that year will remember this, but the, the, there was a mistral, the, the winds that sweep across the, the bay, and the weather was so bad that the flights that came in were horrendous, absolutely horrendous, to the point where on every panel, everybody was like, how was your journey? And everyone was like, uh, bumpy. Um, and that flight into Cannes actually gave me a fear of flying. So... Um, which I've never had in my life before. Um, so I'm looking forward to going. And do you know what? I know I said it was going to be a long journey down there, but I'm actually over the moon as well to be getting the train. <laughs> because well, when that wind gets up there, it can get very bumpy and very cold. That was my point. You were asking about the weather. Um, even if there's bright sunshine, any, I think lots of people will know that you can get really caught out at about four o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock. It's suddenly absolutely freezing. Um, so we've been warning all of our first time goers to beware, to beware of that. <laughs> well, fantastic. Because there are a lot of sideways 
palm trees photos <laughs> I remember that year I think yeah oh it was yeah I remember yeah I remember looking out of the window of the plane and just thinking wow that the sea is just like a, a re, not only very close but at a really alarming angle you know <laughs> certainly not horizontal as we go over the uh, going over the the waves lapping there so um Anyway, sorry if anyone's listening to this who has a fear of flying or who indeed is flying out of Mipham tomorrow. I'm sure we'll be fine. <laughs> well, they, they should be taking the train like, like you. That's uh, it. You should be taking the train. <laughs> uh, well, have a fantastic time, Emily. Uh, I'm sure I'll be speaking to, to various uh, members of the cohort uh, about their Mipham experiences uh, next week. And uh, Julia, uh, thanks for joining us. hope you enjoyed your, your, your debut. Loved it. Thank you. I'll Great. I, I, I will hold you to that. <laughs> now, as promised at the outset, I am delighted to turn uh, via the magic of the internet and some clumsy audio editing to Tim Burke and Alex Daniel to complete our Sunday morning. How are you both doing? Doing good. I, I don't think there could ever be any clumsiness in your in your audio <laughs> editing. This is always perfect. Uh, I did accidentally leave the post um, recording chat on a, on a recent on the case episode. So uh, fortunately, nothing, nothing libelous or, or scurrilous was discussed. That's OK. That's just like a nice little blooper reel. <laughs> exactly. I do wish I'd been keep, keeping a, a blooper reel of EGLSM uh, <laughs> all this time. But sadly, that would be that would be too much work. Alex, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Jess. Yes. How are you? I listen once I hear the word. You know, that's never happened before, Alex, but but, but <laughs> me asking how you're doing has just just triggered my Alexa. That really Speaking threw me for a reels. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm just going to call you Jim for the rest of the recording, if that's all right. <laughs> Excellent. Leave it in. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> um, so, Tim, uh, to, to turn away from, from uh, the, the fun stuff for a moment, the, the war in Ukraine is starting to have major implications for property uh, and uh, you've been reporting this week on, on what it means for the big agencies. Yeah, I have. So um, over the last couple of weeks, obviously, we've seen we've seen more and more companies in more and more different industries announce that they're winding up their Russian operations as the as the war continues. And there are, of course, multiple reasons for that. I mean, there are sanctions that are going to affect a lot of companies that would be doing business there, but there's also, of course, a, a public perception issue as well around around being seen to still do business in the country. So, we've seen accountancy firms um, call it a day there. We've seen retailers shutting Russian stores. We've seen investment banks starting to retreat. So this week, uh, Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan both said that they'd they'd wind up their businesses. And in real estate, uh, it's been several of the big agencies that have been that have been making those kind of moves. So for a lot of those, they use franchise operations or they've got an affiliate business in Russia and they're, they're not they're not mammoth operations in a lot of cases. So Avison Young, for example, commented on on how small really it's its own Russian affiliate business was when it confirmed that it was suspending it. But I think between sanctions and between the the optics of of running these businesses at this time, Almost all of them have, have decided to step away. So we've had Knight Frank, Savile, CBRE, uh, Colliers, Avison Young, as I said, all announcing that they were going to wind down their business there and or uh, draw a line under dealings that they've got with um, with affiliate parties. Um, worth pointing out that not everyone's made that call yet. So in mm. their latest statements, both Cushman and JLL said that they were 
monitoring the situation, but neither made any word of of actually exiting their Russian business. Now that that of course could change at any hour of any day. It could be different by the time this this conversation goes live. And I think with so many of the big names having made this call, it's going to be interesting over over the coming days, maybe the next week or so, to see what kind of pressure uh, both Cushman and JLL come under from um, perhaps from shareholders from their from their clients from from other areas to to sort of follow the lead that um that that firms like uh like knight frank savills etc have um have set there yeah because obviously a lot of reputational pressure comes to, to bear in situations like this doesn't it yeah i think um i think so and i think as i say it's it's something that we're starting to see across so many different lines of business um within real estate there's obviously been been a lot of talk around just how tied uh, businesses in Russia mm. are to to revenue streams, and and of course a lot of talk about uh, dealings within the UK property market from from oligarchs and and Russian buyers. So I think the will, I think you're right, there will be a great deal of pressure um, pressure coming on real estate to show that it um, that it's taking a similar stance to you know these other businesses that are that are going to call time on their on their their Russian activities. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, of monitoring the situation, Alex, I, I know you've been monitoring uh, the, the the news that the, there's a couple of uh, major real estate figures who've been linked to to acquiring Chelsea this week. Yeah, there have there have indeed. Nick Candy being the um, the uh, probably the most prominent one. Um, mm. I think one of the Rubin brothers as well. Um, Nick Candy is sort of a quite interesting case. I I mean I don't want to say anything completely out of turn but I think there has been speculation that he might be linking himself with the job uh, with the um with the the deal when there's not that much substance to it obviously I couldn't possibly comment mm. but um uh, it's I think it's speculation that's worth pointing out in the context of that story put it that way uh, yeah, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure you'll be you'll be keeping track of that, and um, as the, although albeit the sale has become a, a little bit more complicated. Um, sale has I guess, become a bit more complicated. You know, when you when you're talking about people with with who are able to amass that kind of of finance to to come up with a deal like that, you know, you, it's inevitable that 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 people with a real estate background are, are possibly going to get involved. I suppose. That's very true. That's very true. And I mean, real estate, exactly. I mean, people with real estate backgrounds are, are very good at seeing a big acquisition and going, right, how am I going to raise the money for it? Mm. Who, you know, who can I, who's on my speed dial that I can raise a couple of, you know, a couple of hundred million quid off, that yep. sort of thing. Um, I wish I could do that. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it, it will be difficult, difficult now, though. I mean, Chelsea looks like it could be the sort of the first nationalised, you know, truly nationalised <laughs> football club. But I think there's... I saw a tweet the other day that said, um, or must have been the other day, that, um, you know, Timo Werner, the Chelsea forward, is about to be nationalised, and yet <laughs> the railways are still not. <laughs> uh, and other than that, Alex, uh, we, I've already spoken uh, to Emily uh, about her MIPIN plans, but you're going to be joining her and, and the rest of the EG delegation uh, en route to Cannes uh, tomorrow, I believe. Uh, is that right? Absolutely. Uh, t- tomorrow, mon- Monday, exactly tomorrow. And um, we are the EG editorial team is getting the train to Cannes um, mm-hmm. in the name of um, not uh, hurting the planet by getting planes. I don't know how many other people are getting the train to Cannes, but um, we are doing some serious, I think it's what Pretty, Pretty Patel will call virtue signalling, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and what normal people would say, doing the right thing, to be fair. But I think now, here, as here. I carry on talking about it, it's straying into purchasing <laughs> me. But yes, I'll be at MIPIM. If anyone listening is also going to MIPIM and has some juicy stories for us, then, um, you know, uh, my contact details are on my Twitter account and it's not that difficult to find. What, and um, What have you got in your diary? Oh, so much stuff, so much stuff. Uh, there's going to be a keynote from Stuart Andrew, the latest housing minister. That will be interesting. Um, I was going to go along to Francois Hollande, Francois Hollande, the former president of France, who is doing the opening keynote um, until I asked um, his his people for the details. And they said, how's your French? <laughs> I said, maybe I won't go along to that one. Uh, but I uh, assume they booked the housing minister early on in the week, just in case uh, someone else takes over by by the end of the week. It's always an it's always a danger, isn't it? It's always a danger. I think he's midweek, so I mean, I mean, it's oh. probably about fifty fifty over whether he's actually <laughs> going to make it that far. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, it will be the great and the good of the real estate world. I think it's not going to be as populated this year. This I should caveat this with: this is my first MIPIM. Uh-huh. Um, Congratulations! As, um, I joined DG during the pandemic, um, but um from what i gather it's not going to be quite as populated as it has been in past years i think people might be testing the water a little bit um obviously it's quite expensive to to have a have a stand at mipim it's quite a you know quite a capital expenditure and people are still a little bit cautious about that sort of thing so i think there are there are some big names who are um taking a wait and see approach shall we say and Tim, am I right in thinking you are you are one of the non-expendables who is is remaining here to keep the the fires burning? I'll be remaining here. I, I've 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 done MIPIM before, so I'm excited to see what um, members of the team who've never experienced it make of it. I think I think Alex is right. I think it's going to be different this year, but I I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Alex and Co will still find it uh, very good fun and absolutely exhausting. Uh, do, you, do you foresee hangovers in Alex's future? Um, I think he's I think he's hardened and tough enough to make it through whatever socialising <laughs> he needs to do <laughs> to um, to get the lowdown on, on on what's happening across his beats. Uh, and you know, as long as he's got some Alka Seltzer packed away in the bags, he will be he will be a okay. Absolutely, I've <laughs> stopped go. up. I've heard so tip. much about this, about the famous MIPIM week of hangovers. I'm in absolute trepidation for it. Um, but <laughs> well, I gather more... you've been in, in pre-match training, Alex. <laughs> in pre-match training? Well, I mean, yesterday was Saturday night, of course, wasn't it, Jess? <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, your whole life has been building to this. That's, that's, that's all absolutely. we can say. Absolutely. Uh, I've been warming up. Okay, so shall on this on this bumper uh, edition of EGLSM, shall we shall we do a quick quiz? Let's do it. Absolutely. All right then. Uh, Tim, do you want to go first or second? Um, I'll go first. Okay, Tim. Which publisher is on the lookout for a new London office, uh, according uh, to Mr. Daniel? There. Um, was that going to be the first question either way, or was would Alex have ended up being asked his own uh, question? That's. I have a very clever system. It involves writing people's names next to certain questions. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, Vogue publisher, Condé Nast. It is indeed. 1-0. Alex, uh, probably slightly harder. What Australian pension giant with an understated name has become British Land's joint venture partner on the mammoth £3.5 billion renegade regeneration of Canada water? 
oh oh my god i i know this i absolutely know this this is really bad um uh, uh australian super fund uh very good very good one one god that would have uh, been embarrassing okay. wouldn't it one one uh tim missing headline everything you need to know about blank it's not h boss it's not uh, it's close though it's very it's close not- Cybos. It is uh it is iBoss. I don't it know if is. you say it as a word. I B O S. Yeah, you, you surely do. You, probably, you uh, must say Do it, you know it? do you know what it stands for? No, but I wouldn't have got an extra point if I no, did. No, you wouldn't no. have done no, no such things as extra points in this game. Uh that's the International Building Operation Standard designed to collect data on buildings to meet sustainability and wellness standards. Beautiful. So there you go. Uh Alex. Blanks five hundred million pound HS2 station set for makeover. Um, who's, oh my God, whose is it? Um, uh, I'm just trying to remember exactly if it is. Mesa building it, Mason Dragados are building it. Your list, the EGLSM listeners are getting me thinking aloud here. This is really bad. Um, is it the architect? Maybe it's the architect. I, I I'm, I'm, I think you need, you need suggest to suggest that you're you overthinking. Over you're, over, you're definitely overthinking, Alex. HS2s. Uh, Houston. Yes. So while we raise it, what, what do you think to the to the designs? Oh, it is. Um, they've gone from expensive and complicated to cheap and very, very doable. And I think, uh, uh, I mean, it's pretty ugly. Put it that way. I've it's going it. to be modular construction. That, that, station is pre- that station is pretty ugly anyway. <laughs> They've also done a thing on the CGIs where there are going to be two quite tall blocks of offices either yes. side of it. And they haven't actually put those offices in the CGIs. They're, they're transparent. They? Outlines yeah. of them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is I've, miraculous. I've, I hope that's how it looks in real life. I've seen it described as Star Wars inspired. Do you see that in there? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. It's now pointy and ugly. OK, Tim. Yes, sir. There was an unlikely comparison this week on the diary page and elsewhere uh, between chartered surveyors and what other profession? This made me chuckle. Um, <laughs> members of, it, it is a heck of a comparison, <laughs> members of the KGB. It is indeed. And uh, Alex was was swift to spot that and uh, and put it on the diary page. Of course I was. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've met a couple of chartered surveyors that, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there, shall we? Okay, fair enough. Um, and Alex, to tie up a remarkable 3-3, uh, what glum-looking animal featured on posters welcoming staff back to a Toronto office? Oh, God, I, I, I just don't know the answer to this, so it could be absolutely anything. Is it a donkey? It is sadly not a donkey. Tim, would, no. you, have, would you have known the answer to that? Um, no, I remember it being, it was the posters about, do you miss being in your, your joggers? So it would be, so it's, a, so it's a pet. Is it a dog? It is a dog. So yeah, it's a victory for Tim. Well done. Yeah, oh, thank you. That was a pretty good showing from both of us there, I think. It was very strong. It came with the well, caption, bet your dog's missing you. Uh, in an ill-judged ju- Ill attempt at a lighthearted return to the office. Uh, <laughs> 
Many thanks to you both, Tim. You can you can save uh, your victory for the rest of uh, Sunday. Do, have you got any celebratory uh, music uh, that that would fit the occasion? Oh no, you always ask me this, and now you've put me on the spot, and I haven't got um, I haven't got anything lined up. No, but so you'll have to you'll you'll have to follow me on Twitter to follow find out what I'm tuning into to, later to, on this to, evening. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Alex, have a wonderful time uh, in Mipim. Many thanks to you both, and to Emily uh, and Julia. Uh, and to you at home, you have been listening to EG Like Sunday Morning. <laughs>